This episode brought to you by the Roster Up Media Network, home to tangible insights for the NFL and fantasy sports. Check us out at rosterupmedia.com. Week four, basically the end of Q1 of the NFL season. Although now all that's kind of thrown off, right, with the extra game. So that's a that's a little bit frustrating. Rob, what's up, man? What's up, brother? I'm excited, as always. Bounce back week for me. Last week had a couple interesting calls, long shots. But, you know, you got to do that sometimes. So I'll try to get another one or two in here today. But I'm excited. <laughs> always. You've been running hot, too, so. <laughs> a little bit of a cool down week from you was needed to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I get bounced back here though. I need need to get back in that money. Back in that money. That's right. <laughs> I know. Let's see some green screens. That's all that's all we're looking for here. Just a little bit of green screens. Um what we're definitely looking forward to is Sunday's main slate. That's why you're all here. That's why you're all listening. I'm ready to dive right into it, Rob. I gotta be honest. I think our listeners enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Just some rapid fire going through the games last week and uh, and uh, fading some of these games we didn't like and mm-hmm. kind of really spending some time on uh, the really good games, the shootout games that I think are going to be a lot of fun uh, to target. So uh, we definitely want to keep that uh, energy going for the listeners out there. So let's get after it. You ready to get into game one? Yeah, let's jump into it. I think uh, just starting right off the bat, I mean, I'll introduce it here. Colts versus uh, Dolphins. I think my boy, my boy Jonathan Taylor, I say it every week, man. It's going to happen, guys. Don't knock it because you're going to miss out on it. And I won't put as much, you know, love into it as I have in the past couple of weeks, but I'm going to still roll with it. As always, at 6,300, he continues to drop in price. I say it every week, but I'm not going to miss out on the big week. We were just talking about that before. And he's really not that bad when you look at it. Like, he's around 11 points a game right now without any touchdowns. If he falls in the end zone, he's in those mid-teens. He's near value at the price he's at now. So, looking for more out of him this week. Hopefully, we get it. I'm not going to jump on the Naheem Hines train where people um, are probably going to pivot to because he's cheaper and he's getting uh, more production right now. But that's, like you said before, Cody, before before the show we talked, he broke out. You know, a big touchdown run if he falls down on the one or if he gets tackled, Jonathan Taylor's falling in the end zone there. So there's a lot that goes into this, but that's my guy from this game. Uh, I think there's a lot of other cheap plays as well. I think there's a lot of cheap plays on, on the board this whole slate. Um, I think Brissett is an option at 5,100. He showed he still got a little bit in the tank last week. Um, what did he do? He put up 20 last week. So, I mean, against a Raiders team that likes to play fast pace, but who knows? I think he could do the same against Miami. He's a talented guy, and and he loved Waddle last week. I think Waddle had 13 targets. Um, so Waddle is another really cheap option. If you want to go cheap stack, I think this is the first one of the day. Yeah, I could see something like that, especially um, with two teams desperate for a win. I think they're really going to have to uh, come out guns a-blazing, to be honest with you. And Miami is seventh in situation neutral pace so far this year. Uh, Indianapolis is going to tend to play a little slower, which we've seen in the Frank Reich era, sitting down there at 28th and situation neutral. So something to watch out for. But like Rob said, we still haven't seen that Jonathan Taylor game because the Colts just have had a brutal schedule out of the gate. 
And I'm okay going right back there. Honestly, I, Jonathan Taylor, you know, I got a little bit of a grudge because what held back my lineups last week is, is a little bit of a leverage play. I, I sprinkled in him and Gibson alternating and um, Taylor was in a couple of my Josh Allen lineups that really kind of limited my upside. So uh, I'm okay going right back there to him, especially with the price continuing to fall. I mean, this, this dude was like 8K week one. I mean, I don't think we should forget that. He was 8K week one for a reason. Um, Quentin Nelson injury is is definitely brutal in this running game. But if the Colts can ever just get a little bit of a lead, I mean, they're he's still getting double-digit carries every game when they're getting blown the heck out. So if they can ever get a lead against a suspect Miami run defense, yeah, I'd like to see a little Jonathan Taylor going there. And then this Colts uh, passing defense, definitely suspect as well. So you can go right back to Jalen Waddell uh, with a few more cooks in the kitchen in Miami. You know, it's a little tougher to pick the upside receiver there, but I think if Waddle or even Fuller can catch a deep ball there, that's someone that could easily meet value just kind of based on the cheap prices uh, sprinkled in throughout this game. But I definitely think it'll be interesting. What do you, between these two teams that need a win, who you got as a winner? That's really tough. Um, I'm going to take Miami, actually. Really? Uh, I think, wow. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I don't know. I just think Brissett, you know, his ex-team here, I think he's he's coming for for the Colts a little bit. But um, that's – I honestly think, and you guys, I mean, like, I'm, I don't have a Jonathan Taylor jersey, but they need to use him – in better situ like in better ways to win games. They're 0 and 3 and he's hardly, you know, being productive and I think that's part of the problem. I think your best player has to get more involved and giving him 10 carries a game is not going to do it. Stop splitting it with Hines. I mean, Hines has been okay, but still like you have to get your best player involved and if they don't, I think Miami uh gets the win here. We actually saw him break a couple uh explosive runs early in that game last week um against Tennessee and they just they just trailed so quickly they just stopped going right back to him, you know. Which when you're trailing that much you got to throw the ball. But yeah, I mean they got to find a way to get Taylor cooking because we saw some of those explosive games from him uh, last year. So I mean both these teams desperate for a win. Colts, I think the Colts are beyond desperate. They got to win or their season's pretty much over. Um, you know if they win, the AFC South is weak enough to where they can they can keep pace, uh, even being one and three. But they've they're absolutely desperate for a win. Um, Buffalo, not desperate for a win, but I expect them to easily snag one this week against Houston. Uh, easily got blowout written all over. I don't even know what the line is from this game. I think, when I, was it like 17, 18 points? Do you have the line on this game? To... Uh, no, I don't, but let me get it for you. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, we were all over him last week. It was just blow-up time. It was a blow-up game for him. It's kind of good to see him come out of the gate uh gun um slinging the ball around and in a game we targeted i targeted that one you know check out the write-up from last week for the pace for the purposes of pace you know these the washington defense was a little suspect it's not they've had some clear regression which is something that's very common with defenses these top defenses from year to year they get figured out and defensive regression is just so common it's so hard to be that good on a multi-year basis. They're Josh 16 Allen, and a half. 16, 16 and a half. 16 and a half. I mean, I think he's going to be highly owned because he should come out, throw for 300 yards and, you know, two to four touchdowns against his Houston defense. 
which is terrible, but the problem is there. Does he meet value before getting to the point of blowout? That's really, I mean, what do you think? That's exactly what I was going to say. That's the only thing that scares me about this game. And I believe the Titans Jets game is like, can you get as much value as possible out of Josh Allen or Diggs or anyone that's a high price point before halftime where I, I mean, if it's 16 and a half, Vegas is usually pretty spot on. It's probably not going to be a close game. I'd be shocked if it was. And with Davis Mills starting, I, I think there's even more of a chance that it's a blowout. So it's hard for me to play Josh. I was really high on him last week. I mean, we, we talked about it a lot, but for 8K, I mean, you have to bet that he goes almost over 20 in the first half. And that's hard to do. And I mean, he certainly can. He's an explosive player. And he also has that rushing equity, but I don't know. I don't think it's for me this week. Yeah. And you know, we talked about this beforehand is that there's just, there's just a lot of options available, you know, especially across the board. There's once again, a lot of good games that we're able to target. Um, There's there, we don't have a lot of bye weeks yet. No one's gotten into their bye weeks. So there's just so many options out there. You know, we typically at this point, we start having a little, a few bye weeks by week four with the extended season. We're not having that quite as much. So that still opens up a lot of value at multiple positions and especially the quarterback position. It's hard to get all the way up to 8k to pay for that. But ultimately Josh Allen can get there easily. He can, he can uh, absolutely smash that value. We've seen Mahomes do it over and over. We've seen Lamar, Kyler, all those guys do it over and over. So all those guys are always fine to play. Um, but because like Rob said, of course if they get pulled, their points might stop after the third quarter, but the only reason they got pulled is because they're blowing a team out and they've probably gotten those points in the first place. So I know we kind of discussed that. I don't want to play devil's advocate too much, but don't let blowout just keep you off of a player. If you're yep. really, really convinced on him and his matchup, because if Buffalo's winning, they got a 70 plus percent pass rate. You know they're not going to run the ball down someone's throat. They're going to keep throwing it, keep throwing it, just like they did against Washington last week. That's how they score. That's how they want to play. So even in a blowout, they're going to keep throwing the ball. That's just who they are. We saw that last week when they were up 35-14, 42-14. Uh, we saw them just continue to throw the ball. So And that's how they're going to build the lead in a blowout game. So Josh Allen is still fine. And I think, you know, when it comes to receiver – one week it's Cole Beasley, one week it's Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis grabs a touchdown. You know, they're going to rotate, but the Stephon Diggs game is coming. I think that's one thing to note. I think you can go right back to Stephon Diggs if you want to. Uh, but really for me in this game, that's going to be it. Like Brandon Cooks has been solid so far this year. You can look there if you want to. But the Trevon Diggs shadow, um, that's probably going to keep him down a little bit. But Brandon Cooks is really the only thing I'd be looking at on the Houston side of the ball. Is there anyone in Houston? I think I've doubted Cooks a lot this year, and he's done really well. So I'm I'm in agreement there with Cooks. But other than that, no, I don't see much. I don't think I'll play much here. I think Dawson Knox is possible, um, but I also don't see. I don't. I just don't see this being a game where Josh throws 40 to 50 times a game like he does every other week. I just think it's going to be an absolute massacre. So I'm probably staying away. I mean. The Bills defense is like the best play here, but it's 4,300. So there's no way I pay up for that. But um, it's this game's hard for me. I'm not really going to go near it, I think. But I, I definitely wouldn't discourage playing Josh. I think I think you made a good point. Don't go away from blowouts 
if the points got to come from somewhere and they're likely going to come from him in this offensive scheme. So if you're comfortable paying up for 8K uh, for Josh, which is definitely um, reasonable for him, I would I would go for it. But for me, I'm going to uh, pivot away from this one. Pivot away from that one and on to Detroit and Chicago. Detroit, I, yeah. <laughs> man, I, says, I, I don't know how I feel about this one. I think there's a couple plays sprinkled throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, I'm not going to have a ton of interest here. DeAndre Swift, really, though, he's a top five PPR running back so far this year, and it's purely through passing. He scored one, two touchdowns this year, and he's a top five running back. There's a, several other running backs that have scored multiple touchdowns um, through the ground or through the air, uh, three or more, and they trailed DeAndre Swift. And that's just because of how important receiving work is out of the backfield. Seven, four, and eight catches in his three games. I mean, that's that's basically a touchdown per game that he's grabbing right there, uh, just through the air. So I think DeAndre Swift is is one of those guys that's shaping up to be as his work share grows and Detroit wants to get him the ball more. Uh, he's basically been splitting snaps there with Jamal Williams, who's still going to get his work because that's the way Anthony Lynn runs his offense. We know that. But for DeAndre Swift owners, um, Things are definitely looking bright if you were able to grab him in the third, third or fourth round. But there's really not going to be a ton here from this game that I like at all. What about you? Did, did you see the Bears came out this week and they actually said they haven't decided who's going to start between Dalton Fields and Foles? I mean, Dude, when just, was they're so it's freaking a disaster? Neil, when was the last time like a some, quarterback or uh, a coaching staff said that about their starter for one week? It's like you're deciding between three different people get it. Like they got to get it together. They're, they're terrible. They're terrible. They didn't even let, and I know fields held onto the ball way too long last week. He's going to read defenses and all that, but my word, the scheme was just awful. I watched a little more of that game because I wanted to see what fields look like. And I went back and watched some highlights. Oh my gosh. What was the scheme doing? <laughs> I don't know. Grief. They just left him out there on an Island against one of the best pass rush. It's a pass funnel. So you can't really run the ball on them, and you know you gotta you gotta chip, give extra protection, and get the ball out of someone's hands quick. I mean, dude, they I don't know what they were doing. They were running like long routes, but they weren't explosive. They were they only let him throw the ball over 15 yards like once, and he was one of the best deep ball throwers in the draft coming into this season. I mean, I they were like taking forever on some of these routes that they were running, and they were still all within like five to fifteen yards. I I don't know what Matt, Matt Nagy is doing. There, it's like some of these coaches, him and Urban Meyer got together, and they're like, hey, let's screw these guys. Let's really <laughs> ruin all the top draft picks. Oh, I know. Man. It's it's ridiculous. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. I feel bad because he obviously is a really talented player. He just got absolutely abused last week by Miles Garrett and company. I think Garrett had four and a half sacks. Those are Madden numbers. I mean, it was <laughs> – I could not believe it. it I think they had – I saw a stat. I think he had like 40. What did he have last week passing? How many yards? He had. Uh, I don't know. Where is it? 68 yards passing. I think the amount he was sacked was like, I don't know. There was some stat where it ended up being like they had one positive passing yard or something like that. It was the most ridiculous thing I've seen. I don't know. I got to find that. I'll post it on Twitter or something, but. It was ridiculous. This is not the game for me. I think, I think if if I'm going anywhere, I think this is a sneaky 
Goff play at 5,200 and then potentially stacked with uh, Swift based on the passing game that they've established over the last couple weeks. But other than that, there's, there's not much for me. Maybe Lions defense. I mean, if they can do half of what the Browns did last week, then uh, <laughs> that's definitely worth the 2,200. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I, I think that's that's a unique call there on the leverage play. Large field tournaments, that's that's pretty sharp. So, um, yeah, I gave my rant. I don't have much to add to that, but <laughs> Lions, Lions defense probably finds its way in my lineup. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be one of the cheapest defenses of the week, and that's what we look for. Yeah. And after last week, I mean, the, the, uh, the Bears are in a – who the hell knows what's going on there. So – I'm more than comfortable playing the Lions defense. Honestly, like not not to go on another rant with this Bears thing, but Andy Dalton's deep pass rate through the first two and a half games was 2%. Okay, he threw one deep ball on 49 pass attempts. This is 2021 in the NFL. <laughs> what are we doing, Matt Nagy? Like what is going on right now? Some things don't make any sense. At least Fields has gotten three deep balls off. Um, and his time filling in and then even last week it's and he completed one of them which is still better than Andy Dalton um dude I it's crazy all right we got to move on before I just keep, <laughs> keep going I'm clearly I'm clearly just so well the next jaded. one's not not too interesting either to me I don't know how <laughs> you feel about it I can't I couldn't even watch the Jets last week I watched <laughs> the first two quarters and I was like can we turn this off this is terror like it's just depressing watching i know this isn't a jets podcast but being a jets fan it was terrible it was the heart like oh my god they were awful and i don't think it's gonna get much better this week i mean my idiot brothers go into the game again sunday expecting something <laughs> better and he's not gonna be happy with the result derrick henry's gonna run for 400 yards and it's like it's insane i'll calm down a little bit the only guys I have in this, <laughs> and we spoke a little bit about it earlier before the show, I think Jets pass catchers, there's potential. But again, I said to you before, Crowder is questionable, but I think he's expected to play. So if he plays, that may discourage me a little bit in the pass catching game. There's a lot of mouths to feed now because I know Zach likes Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. So throwing in James and Crowder, who's a really, really reliable option, I think that takes away from those two guys as well so i don't know they're super cheap so it's pick your poison with that one if you even want to go towards the jets but otherwise i'm not going to play um any tennessee receivers i don't think i mean aj brown's hurt julio who the heck knows and then like i wouldn't pay 6500 for julio right now i think there's a lot of other better options um, Derek Henry, 8,800. I think it's similar to Josh Allen. Is he going to get it done early? And I think he certainly can. Um, I hope the jets keep it competitive. I don't think they will, but I hope they do because that gives more opportunity for him against a really weak run defense. So I think he could have that, those big, one of those big explosive games that we're so accustomed to seeing from him, but otherwise there's no one else on the jets. I'm, I'm not going to continue to try to to mess around with Zach Wilson and, and a pass catcher. It's, that was a week one thing. It kind of panned out in the second half of that game, but I don't think I'll do that again the rest of the year unless the Jets pick it up. And honestly, who the heck knows if they will. 
dude if, what what are we doing here these listeners are you still are you people out there still listening what just absolute rants we run on for starters we hope you are not depressed depressed we hope you're more entertained than anything rob <laughs> is depressed about his i have chance. nothing I, else I to can't say entirely, <laughs> i can't i can't entirely blame you for that at all honestly man Corey davis that's who i'm looking at jameson crowder's back in i'm not looking at elijah moore um, we'll kind of see what shapes out between those two as as the game approaches this week but i'm going right there to Corey davis uh the price sitting right there at 5k i think that's nice um the Tennessee Titans allow 82% of their receiving yards to wide receivers. Jets target wide receivers 66% of the time on their passes. Um, honestly, I think it's just it's just a nice fit. I think uh, the Jets are going to have to throw the ball on the Titans. I think you can throw the ball on the Titans. They got one of the worst passing off passing defenses in the league. And yeah, I agree with you, man. I I, I feel for you. You um, and your idiot brother, like. <laughs> you think they're listening to this you think they're listening to this they might no. not be you don't think so don't think so i don't i don't they probably james turned it will. off with the jets and james james will. may throw this on his podcast but <laughs> i don't know i think he would approve just as a sound bite yeah i think so he would agree with, at this point what I'm we're saying. just talking about we're just talking about ryan right now that's all it comes down yeah. to yeah <laughs> shout exactly. out to ryan shout out to ryan the goat the goat drafter in fantasy football um but yeah, Corey Davis, man, I'm, go- I'm going right back there. I think he's a great fit for how I'm going to end up um, rostering my lineups. I like to have a high upside receiver in that 4,500 to 6K range in that mid- mid-tier pricing. And he fits the bill. He's leading the team in targets. He's going to dominate targets there. I think Crowder is going to eat away more more than anything because Corey Davis, I think he's locked in where he is. And um, so I'm, I'm good going right back there. On the Titans side of the ball, I have no clue what's going on with Julio and AJ Brown, but I think we should have all seen all the hamstring and ankle injuries or whatever the heck is going on with Julio coming. But Chester Rogers is someone you can look at at 3,300. When you can throw the ball on the Jets, don't be afraid of that opponent rank you see there on DraftKings. They're only fourth because they're normally trailing by like 25 or 30 points. So people just aren't throwing the ball on them because that's kind of going by yardage there. Um, but I think you can absolutely play Chester Rogers. For whatever reason, one of Julio and AJ sit because of those re- injuries. I think I think that's startable. If you, in a tournament, wanted to fade Henry, you could go right there to one of those guys. Let's say Julio sits and AJ's fine or vice versa, and you wanted to fade Derrick Henry. I mean, I don't hate it. That's a nice little leverage play. You could bring it back with Corey Davis. That's what I would be looking at in some tournaments, but – uh, that's only if you have the stones to fade King Henry, which I'm with you there. You can absolutely lock him in and play him. But that's really it for me on this game is Derrick Henry, Corey Davis, and then in a leverage situation, playing a healthy Titans receiver or just Cheshire Rogers if the other top two are out. Kansas City and Philadelphia. Else. Else. <laughs> There's literally nothing else. Literally nothing else in that game. Kansas City and Philadelphia. Um, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. You know who to play in Kansas City. You know who you can lock in. I mean, I, I think it's really fairly straightforward. You can stack Mahomes with Hill, Mahomes with Kelsey. You can double stack them. Like, you know who the plays are. And some weeks you can play Hilaire. He'll have a 20-point game like last week when he's a cheap value. He's still cheap this week at 5,400. Like, the plays in Kansas City each week are some of the most exciting, and it's the most straightforward thing. It's like, do you want to pay up for him? I mean, I think it's just a really straightforward – 
simple thing. I, I don't know about you when it comes to Kansas City, but I'm never touching any of the peripheral plays or secondary plays. What about you? Yeah, no, not for me. I think uh, I think I've got Kelsey. No, I didn't play Kelsey last week. I got Hill in maybe every week so far this year. I know week one and three I did. I don't know about week two. I'd have to go back and look at my lineup. I love this offense. It's so fun to watch. It's just so fast-paced. They, I mean, Mahomes, he threw an interception on one of the worst passes I've ever seen him throw last week, but it was like he didn't even think about it. It was like he just chucked it up, didn't even care. He's like, oh, there's Kelsey. Let me just throw it as hard as I can and as high as I can and see if he comes down with it. Like, that's the fun stuff that I love about watching the Chiefs. And I'm not a Chiefs fan or else, I mean, I'm the opposite side of the spectrum as a Jets fan, but um, it's fun to watch and and it makes DFS more fun and they produce week in and week out. No, Tyreek wasn't great last week or week two, but week one, he was, he went off and, and Kelsey's been 20 points, 20 plus every week. So when your tight end is the same price as the best quarterback in the league, it's, that's kind of nuts, but I mean, it's certainly, um, reasonable i think he he just proves every week he puts up quarterback numbers every week it's crazy but uh if you triple stack or double stack them it's literally half of your fifty thousand dollars it's twenty four thousand to triple stack or double stack why do i keep saying that um which i mean you're gonna you could potentially get a lot of points but it's a really expensive triple stack and i just said it again double stack and i know uh i know it's I don't think I've ever done it. I think it's ballsy. I think I think typically one or the other goes off. Um, and it's been Kelsey so far this year. I don't know about it this week. I think I was high on Kelsey last week. I didn't I didn't end up playing him, but I pivoted to Hill at the last second. But I think this is I think there's another opportunity here for Claude Edwards Hilaire. Um I completely agree with you about the other options in the Chiefs offense I won't really go towards them but Clyde had a really good week last week it was over 100 yards and then you saw what Zeke did against the Eagles on Monday night so I think Clyde could certainly have another good week so he's definitely someone I'm looking at 5400 I think there's a lot of cheap running backs this week that have a lot of upside I think he's definitely towards the front of that list um I do like Jalen Hurts with the rushing equity. I think the Chiefs will be up, which will force the Eagles to have to pass the ball. Uh, so I think Hurts and Smith is a potential cheap stack. Even Rager, uh, 4,700. It's uh, it's who you personally prefer. But uh, yeah, I think for me, my most interesting play this week um, from this game is Clyde just because of his price point and uh, what I think his upside could potentially be. So. That's that's what I have here, I think. And again, like like you said, like I said, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill are all matchup proof. You can certainly play them every week. Yeah, uh, and I just want to echo the Jalen Hurts play there, 6,900, 21-plus uh, points in all three games so far. He's turned into a very safe play, and that's literally because of the uh, rushing upside. Um, and he's going to be in a fast pace-up game. I mean, the Chiefs are number one in pass rate. I mean, they just the, – the Chiefs just – they just come out and throw. Um, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay is actually number one in pass rate this year. I, I misspoke there, but the, you know the Chiefs are going to come out, pace up, and throw the ball uh, as much as they can. I mean, they ran it a little more last week with Edwards-Alaire because you had two against the Chargers. 
the way they scheme up their defense with Brandon, uh, Brandon Staley. What, what do they run quarters or something like that? I can't remember exactly what it is, but um, they kind of limit some of the, uh, the deep balls there and kind of force you to run, which forced Edward Tolaire to kind of take a larger role, which is one reason we liked him, not just because it was cheap, but because of, for that reason. And they didn't bump him up a, a ton in a game where Philly's not been quite as formidable against the run as they have been in years past. So you can certainly go back there. And then, like I said, Jalen Hurts, totally safe play. You don't even have to stack him with anyone. But if you do, I'm probably going Devontae Smith. Carolina and Dallas, uh, very stackable game right here. I mean, I think every week when we talk about Dallas, there's a ton of different variations. Carolina's defense, by the way, looks freaking legit. I know J.C. Horn is out for the rest of the year. But, dude, they look absolutely legit. And Sam Darnold, for probably the first time in his career, breaking 6K on DraftKings. <laughs> Shout out to Sammy D from going down to Charlotte. And finally, welcome to the 6K range, kid. Are you paying 6K for Sam Darnold this week? I never thought I'd say it, but I would. I really would. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I think the matchup definitely causes me to be okay with that. Um Again, as a Jets fan, I never saw Darnold getting close to 6K. I think he, he was terrible for us, but I think that was – he's kind of proving this year that that was more on coaching and who surrounded him than it was on him because he's he's looked really good to this point this season. Um, so I certainly would. I think this is, this is my number one game this week as far as potential plays. Uh, I, think, I think almost everyone is an option. And I hate to say that on the show that we're supposed to try to narrow it down, but this is, there's, I have like six or seven guys that are options here and on both sides, I think Darnold, Chuba, DJ, you know, I think Robbie, I don't know why I just have this feeling he's going to get over the top this week. I could see 70 yards and a touchdown um, priced at 5,100 has certainly reached his value with that. So I could certainly see that. I could see Terrace Marshall as well at 4K. I think that's why, I, I mean, shoot, I may play Sam Darnold this week. I think it's between right now, after the games we've talked about, it's between him and Hertz for me. Um, I do like Goff really cheap, but right now it's Darnold and Hertz with, with their price point and their matchups. I think I love playing teams that play Dallas just because Dallas plays fast pace and they do score a lot. So, Teams have to keep up with it, and I think the uh, the Panthers have looked really good to this point, so I could certainly see uh, something happening there this week. But I think I, th- I said this to you earlier, Cody. I think Chuba Hubbard's going to be the highest-owned player in all of DFS this week in DraftKings. I think he 5,900, he's put in the McCaffrey role that we saw Mike Davis thrive in last year. So I think this is uh, Chuba Hubbard week for most people, and it may be for me as well. Yeah, it's going to be the same thing. I got Alexander Madison, I think, except doubled up because the Dalvin Cook news broke much later than the CMC news. Uh, yeah, I think people are going to try to jam Hubbard into the lineups. And you know, for good reason, it's very explosive. Uh, we were kind of looking at some distribution charts, you and I, before this game, and one that stuck out um, is pretty cool data visualization by Sam Hoppin over there at, uh, for, for football, but um, distribution of running back carries near the goal line. And once they got near the goal line, they were using Royce Freeman. However, they are going to use Chuba in passing situations. I think ultimately at the end of the day, when they have a full week of prep and a full game, 
I think Chuba is going to get the usage we want. I think he's going to be like last year, you know, the fantasy community called um, Mike Davis 90% CMC because he basically, he just stepped right in, got all that usage, really pulled some fantasy teams to victory, kept them alive there for about three or four weeks. And I know there wasn't another option. I think Chuba's going to eventually outpace Freeman because I think talent is just going to win out at the end of the day. Like we've seen the Royce Freeman story in the past, right? Like in Denver and all that, like he's, he's not there anymore for a reason. Um, so I, I think Chuba eventually is just going to like talent's going to win out. And if he can just get a little more of that goal line work, I mean, he's an absolute smash play right there. 5,900, um, especially in a very competitive, very good game coming up this week. Yeah, it's, uh, and, it's a lot like uh, Alexander Madison last week too, mm-hmm. where he filled the role of Dalvin and he did awesome. So, I mean, we saw it. How many weeks did we see Mike Davis explode last year? It's just whoever's put in that position where they're going to get a lot of volume. They're going to get those dump off passes from Darnold and Chubb was talented. He had a two, 2000 yard rushing season in college at Oklahoma state. He's a really talented running back. So mm-hmm. I can certainly see 5,900. I think he's going to be well over that in value. Um, so I don't know. I, if, I think it would be wrong not to play him in a, at least one of your lineups. Mm-hmm. So he's certainly going to be in one of mine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to have to fit in. The value is just, just too obvious right there. It'll be interesting to see his ownership by the end of the week. You know, I mean, what do you think his ownership comes at in, in your tournaments? You play a lot of single entry. What yeah. do you think? Uh man. I could see it in like the 40s, mm-hmm. 30s, the 40s, even high 40s. Just I think I think everyone's thinking the same thing. If you watch football, you're thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Chubba's 5,900. It's a massive value play um, where you can pay up elsewhere. I mean, the guys I have listed here – between Taylor Hubbard and Clyde edwards Taylor Taylor's the most expensive one at 6,300. And I think he's probably the most risky one right now, which mm-hmm. is crazy to say. But, I mean, there there's so much opportunity elsewhere when you have, like I have, what is this, four spots left, and I have 21,000 21, left to play with. That's mm-hmm. where you get in your guys like Devontae Adams or even the Travis Kelsey. You know, like these guys like Chubba, allow you to do that at 5,900 where he's still starting. He's still going to have a massive workload, which I, I think uh, he didn't do bad last week either when McCaffrey was out and he still had 10 fantasy points. He 11 carries for 52 yards, you know, three receptions, he had five targets. So like Sam's going to drop it off to him and he's going to get those receiving points just like McCaffrey did. He's certainly not Christian McCaffrey, but at the end of the day, like I'll take someone who's in that role that needs to produce in that role. They're 3-0. They've leaned on McCaffrey a lot. Um, but they've also opened up the field with guys like DJ Moore. Um, he's having an awesome year. So I think a lot of people are going to focus on them. And I think things open up for Chuba. Yeah, and DJ Moore, by the way, is a very safe play again this week. I mean, yeah, low point total of 1,500. He's He's got a ton of upside baked in. Um, and he's, he's leading in target share. He's running a lot of optimal routes. Robbie Anderson, they're just kind of using on clear-out routes. For whatever reason, the first three or four weeks last year, they used D.J. Moore in those clear-out routes, and that's how Robbie Anderson got off to such a hot start. 
but now they've kind of taken the more talented DJ Moore and put him into the the optimal route route share route tree. So I think that's certainly something, you know, 10, 11, 12 targets is what you're going to expect week one against the Jets when they really led by multiple scores most of the game, eight targets. New Orleans blew them out 11 targets. Last week against Houston, 12 targets. And uh, and that game was close for a little while, so that, that leads to a lot of it. And only one touchdown thus far this year. Um, he was someone that was doing a lot of positive touchdown regression coming into this season, and he's yet to really realize that even through three games. So there's definitely a lot of upside, even though DJ Moore is a safer play. There's a lot of upside there. And, of course, that's kind of mitigated if Robbie Anderson does blow off the top a couple of times, like Rob said, which is certainly something you got to watch out for, especially if Trayvon Diggs is over there shadowing uh, DJ Moore. We've seen Trayvon Diggs be very successful on opposing number one so far this season and just the way Dallas uh, shades their coverage towards number one opposing receivers. Um, so I like the Robbie Anderson call by you. Terrace Marshall, I think if he was in the lower threes, I would go there. But he really is right behind Robbie Anderson in overall snap rate. Uh, 45, 47% for Robbie Anderson. Terrace Marshall are essentially equals in that offense right now. But Marshall is just a little too expensive for me. And then when it comes to Dallas, I really like the price on Amari Cooper dropping down to 6K. Only five fantasy points in weeks two and three um, in each of those weeks, respectively. But second on the Dallas team and expected fantasy points thus far this season. So he's due kind of another blow-up game. And really, that's just because of the way those games sh- shaped out in terms of Dallas leading, deciding to run the ball more when they've got the lead, and seeding Lamb getting uh, in the end zone or getting the lion's share of targets early on. So CD Lamb is obviously – I think he kind of is the safest play in Dallas, most consistent play. But Amari Cooper sitting there at 6 k as that price has really come down after its 41-point game against Tampa Bay. I think he's a great stacking option right there at that. If you want to do this, do that. Or, you know, you could get a lot of correlation going DJ Moore, Robbie, uh, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Moore, Lamb. Of course, there's Chuba Hobart. I'm not going to disagree with you there, Rob. You got to get him into lineups and then you correlate him there with one of the Dallas receivers. Uh, there's a lot of variations you can go with this game. Should be fun uh, to watch. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, when it comes to Giants and Saints, I'm not looking forward to it. This is a no comment game for me. I I don't even want to look at these two offenses. What about you? Hey man, uh, yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. I'm I'm not interested one bit. I think I think the Saints are gonna are gonna win. I think Kamara is the only play, and that's that's really all I have. Is <laughs> the Giants have been a disaster too? So I want no parts. Um, last week was a good Saquon week, but I don't like it against the Saints defense. So I will – I'm good with passing. I really am. Hard pass. Hard pass here as well. Uh, Cleveland, Minnesota, another one where I think plays are very straightforward. You know yeah. you know who the plays are on both sides of the ball. Like it's Jefferson Thielen and whatever Minnesota running back is playing this week. And then on the Cleveland side of the ball, you can look at OBJ that clearly we're going to feed him as he came, returned – uh, to the offense last week. I'm not looking at any, any of the secondary receivers. And, of course, against this Minnesota rush defense, which is just average, you know, Chubb or Hunt, both really pretty good prices. Chubb is a pretty good price this week that I think you can look at. So 6600 for Madison is starting to get a little rich for me, so I prefer to go to one of the Minnesota receivers. But for me, it's, it's kind of straightforward. I prefer Justin Jefferson almost always. Uh, Adam Thielen is just on one of the hottest touchdown streaks I think we have ever seen. Um, not ever seen, but he's on that Devontae Adams train that he uh, 
was happening last year. I mean, two touchdowns week one, one and one the last couple of weeks. When he gets into the red zone, like Kirk Cousins just looks directly at him. But when it comes to upside, um, average depth of target, overall targets and target share, Justin Jefferson is always going to be the man. He's always going to be the one with more consistent 25-plus point upside. So you have no problem going right back to him uh, here. OBJ is probably, when it comes to value in this game, I think OBJ is probably the best value. Um, still, he, he got nine targets last week in the game they're leading. I think this game will be tighter. So she should have plenty of upside, and he's only priced at 5,800. So I actually think OBJ is probably the best value play um, in terms of value plus upside, not just with a safe floor, but also we know he's got a ton of upside as well, and he looked pretty good last week. So uh, that's really it for me in this game. The plays are straightforward. Best value plays OBJ. Chubb is a nice value at running back. Um, but, you know, and, and Jeff Jefferson over Thielen on the Minnesota side, but either one is fine just because Thielen's about five or $600 cheaper. What about you in this game? Yeah, I mean, it's always great to get cute and try to find leverage, but Vikings are a team, the Browns are a team, uh, the Cowboys, like a lot of these teams, the Rams, they have guys that are going to produce every week and you don't have to try to get fancy with it. And this game has that written all over it. I think that's how you open it up with, uh, with your little analysis there. But yeah, for me, Cousins, Chubb, Hunt, Jefferson, Thielen, like it's really hard to pivot against these guys just because they're so involved. And uh, I mean, Cook, if he plays, he's matchup proof as well. So, uh, I mean, against a good a good Cleveland rush defense, but I mean, it's Dalvin Cook. So I'm not, I'm not, a, I don't hate paying for that. Um, Cousins has been the light, lights out though. I think him and Thielen is a great stack. Um, Jefferson's awesome too, but 6,800, I'll probably take Thielen over Jefferson just because of that, you know, touchdown equity, like you said. Um, he has, you know, eaten up those red zone targets, and I will continue to play that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Cousins is is still pretty cheap for the production he's giving. I mean, 28 last week. He's had a couple 25-point games. I mean, he's really solid so far this year. I don't think he's thrown an interception. I probably just jinxed it. But, yeah, he's he's – 918 yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, 26 fantasy points per game. He's been lights out. I think um, this, we've said it multiple times. I think I don't really love the, I mean, the Cleveland secondary is okay, but I'm definitely comfortable playing Jefferson and Thielen, uh, specifically Thielen. But yeah, pretty much same thing for me with this one. Um, I'm okay to move on and I'm not too excited to move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and you know with cleveland we, we kind of hit on that with our justin fields matt Nagy sucks rant earlier uh Nagy sucks i think fields he, he could be exciting <laughs> if he gets something in there but um if you can give a little bit of protection the cleveland pass defense can be beat because that's where they're a little weaker you know i mean if you're really looking for something in this game then i think you can look at tyler conklin at 3500 you know, of course, pay attention to that questionable tag. You should be fine. Um, but Cleveland's always going to kind of funnel things towards the tight end. So that kind of builds off of your Kirk Cousins point there, who has looked absolutely fantastic to start up the year, priced up at 6400 which is really about as expensive as you'll see him most seasons. He rarely gets up into the upper 6K range, mid-6Ks. 
typically that where he maxes out. Um, but we've seen some great Kirk Cousins seasons. And especially if Dalvin Cook continues to be out, then yeah, I, I'm with you. He 20 plus fantasy points should be where he ends up by the end of the game on Sunday. Washington and Atlanta, someone that is always just trying to eke into 20 plus fantasy points, Matt Ryan, Mr. Garbage Time. Mr. Can't get a touchdown in the red zone. Matt Ryan, are you done? Does your arm work anymore? Rob, help me out. I'm losing my sanity. What is going on with this Atlanta offense? I don't know, but I watching the Falcons play the Giants last week was like watching paint dry. I couldn't do it. It was it was <laughs> so hard. I actually picked um I picked the Giants in my survivor pool and then at 12:55 I changed it to the Raiders who also won a close game. But thank God because the Giants you know, broke down in that last quarter. They had the game and they blew it. Uh, but yeah, it it's hard to watch between the Jets, the Giants, the Falcons. Like these offenses are struggling so much. And I mean, Giants aren't as bad, but like Matt Ryan, he's got he's got to be on his way out, right? I mean, he has to be. Calvin Ridley's like yeah. a top five receiver in the league, and he's not even being like i mean his targets are up but he's not producing like he should be just i think that's matt ryan I think. yeah because like, he won't push the ball downfield at all last yeah, week through three weeks he had thrown uh, he targeted calvin ridley on deep balls i think over 15 times this year it's only gotten to six in garbage time that's including mm-hmm. absolute blowouts matt ryan's deep ball rate is 8.55 percent so far this year He's only throwing the ball deep 8% of the time. I mean, those are Andy Dalton numbers. I it's I thought I, I'm actually – I think the most wrong I've ever been about an offensive coordinator is Arthur Smith. I was a huge fan of him coming in the season, but, man, I thought it was going to be way more creative. I think they're going to be fun to watch. I thought they were going to push the ball downfield, push the pace. And they just I, – I don't know if it's Smith. I don't know if it's Matt Ryan. But it looks just so blech. You know, it's so yeah. vanilla. It just looks so bad. And it, it, it's like, know? yeah, it really does. And you have Ridley, who I just made my case for, top five, maybe, probably. Who knows? He's on the cusp. And then Kyle Pitts, who's your first round pick, like fourth pick in the draft, supposed to be this stud. And he is a stud. He's He looks terrible because he's not getting involved at all. Like, I think. He had his first catch last week in like late in the third or the fourth quarter. And my friends, I was watching with them. They're like, oh, Kyle Pitts is playing. It's like the fact that you don't even know if the guy who your first round pick is, who's supposed to be your number two option, is even playing in the game. You have to put it on Matt Ryan. And it's, I mean, again, we're going on a rant here, but don't play Matt Ryan. <laughs> that's that's the, the, the end story. I mean, it's, I won't be. Um, if you want to go ahead, I'm not going to suggest it. I don't think you're going to suggest it. Uh, it's hard for me to play guys like Ridley who I really like playing because of these Matt Ryan statistics. Matt Ryan looks bad, but you know, it's a, a real bad problem is this game being in a dome and both of these teams, number nine and number 11 situation, neutral pace. Something's got to give. I, I don't know if that I can stomach playing either of these quarterbacks, but when it comes to skill position players, D 
dude, I think there's going to be some offense in this game. I mean, for the same reason I was loving the Josh Allen bill stack and bringing it back with uh, Antonio Gibson last week is because of the pace. Washington's going to push the pace. They're in a dome. And as bad as Atlanta looks, they're still 11th in situation neutral. So, and they can't like hand it off and run the ball. Cordero Patterson has looked really good. Well, he's looked really good, has produced fantasy points. And they, but they can't run the ball at the gut. It's like cutesy plays or passing plays, things like that, where he succeeds. So, all that to say, yeah, I'm, I don't think I want to play either of these quarterbacks. But, you know, if you're really like already heavily drunk by 11 o'clock Sunday and Matt Ryan's 5,400, then I mean, hey, we all make decisions, you know, cheers. They have at it. Um, it's at least going to be a pace up game. So there could be something there. Me, I like Antonio Gibson at 6,100. That's all I'm looking at on the running back side of things. And then McLaurin, I love Terry, scary Terry this week. I think he could be uh, fantastic. I think he's going to tear up that Washington offense for me in Washington. I'm, I'm probably not going Logan Thomas to 4,900. Once he gets it above 45, it's just too rich for me. He's looked pretty good. He got uh, the touchdown last week, but he's got to get the touchdown to get there. Um, very explosive, but above 45, I'm not looking at him. So for me, it's Gibson or McLaurin. Like one of those two is probably going off. I think you can probably play both of them safely just because of how bad Atlanta is at football in general. So I think either one is safe. Dude, Ridley at 7K, I'm with you. And I just gave you the stats on deep balls. Like Washington is giving it up, but I don't know if I can go to Ridley. So I don't know if I play anyone on the Atlanta side. I'll have to think about it. Pitts at 5K, maybe Washington, you know, surrenders uh, quite a bit to tight end. So maybe go to Pitts, but I definitely like some some plays on the Washington side. But it's very like clear and straightforward. It's not like, oh, let me go find this 3K player. It's like, all right, you can go play the studs in this game on the Washington side of the ball and be totally content, be absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Um, I love Terry. I just I, I love I love him in PPR. So I think that's a good call. Mm -hmm. um, that's definitely an option. Definitely an option. I think it's it's hard. There's a lot of good plays that are not too expensive this week. I think Terry is better than 6900. Like I'd rather him over Ridley and Ridley 7K. So I yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I may may have some Terry in there this week. Yeah, and he's generally a fairly safe play overall with with a decent bit of upside. I never feel like he's that overly owned. He mm -hmm. he always kind of comes in, you know, highly owned for him is like in that twelve to thirteen percent range. A receiver, I've noticed this year with receivers, you almost don't even have to worry about ownership with the pricing structures. It just gets distributed, so you can just mm -hmm. like you basically play who you want. Uh, Seattle and San Fran. Um, you know, I don't actually know if there's going to be a ton in this game I really like from a DFS perspective. I think there's a lot of talented players. On the San Francisco side of the ball, I really am just avoiding that offense in general when it comes to DFS because it's such a – everything gets distributed so evenly, you don't get, like, tournament-winning upside built into these plays. Like, Debo Samuel is the only one that really has it, but in a run-first offense where it can really get distributed – um, amongst multiple skill position players, it's hard for me to pay 6500 for him. So I'm really not looking at any San Francisco guys, and I just got to wait and see what's going on with these Metcalf and Lockett questionable tags. Um, I don't think Chris Carson offers the upside 
against the San Francisco front four of 6,300. I think they're better than the current DVOA. Um, but even Chris Carson and plus matchups, he's really not impressed that much. 13, 15, 16 fantasy points so far this year. And a couple of those were matchups where he absolutely should have smashed. He's played some pretty bad run defenses. So I'm looking away from Chris Carson. San Francisco, there's a ton of offense to go around, a ton. Of, I think there's going to be plenty of points put up, but it's just so widely distributed. You know, Debo or George Kittle, you know, maybe you can go there, but I'm not um, in my lineups. And then Seattle, you got to wait and see what's going on with DK or Lockett. So at the end of the day, when I'm looking at this game, I think it's going to be one of the best games to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of points, but I'm really only – I'm just waiting to see what happens with the Seattle wide receiver questionable tags and maybe end up playing one of those guys. So it's kind of weird how this is a juicy-looking game from the outside, but when I start getting in there, looking at salaries, figuring out how points may be distributed, I'm like, maybe I play one guy from this game, and that's it. I mean, that's that's the really the end of my analysis on this one. I don't know if you agree, disagree, or have something better than uh, what I got so far. No, I think you, you hit the nail on the head um, with that breakdown. The only thing I will will add is – if Eli Mitchell doesn't play, which I don't know, he, he was limited today in practice, so I feel like he will, but if he is out for sure, I think Sermon's definitely um, an option just because of how bad Seahawks defense uh, run defense is. And everyone they've played this year has just smashed them. So I know Sermon wasn't great last week. He was averaged 3.1 a carry, but – he got in the end zone. I mean, they're going to use him. And if, if Eli doesn't play, I think his usage goes up significantly. So that's the only thing I'll add to what you said. Yeah, it's a good point there on the Tracer and Eli Mitchell. Um, for sure. Arizona and LA, I think that's going to be obviously an exciting game. Two teams that have looked, well, let me say this. LA has looked phenomenal. Arizona has looked really good for the most part last week was was shaky came out flat cliff kings cliff kingsbury did what he normally does but fortunately they play jacksonville la man i mean dude matt stafford has completely raised that offense um on a week-to-week basis fan jefferson deshaun jackson one of those guys um is going to catch a deep ball that's just the way it is that's how life's gonna be but apart from that it's clear cut if you like this game stafford woods cup Cup's the number one receiver in fantasy, and they're going to continue to just chuck the ball to him. Uh, that that connection looks incredible. Tyler Higby has been consistent on a week-to-week basis. I think he's been overall um, a post-hype sleeper this year and has looked very good. Uh, so you can certainly go a number of directions with some of these secondary pieces. But at the end of the day, if you're locking in on some GPP tournaments, um, I'm probably looking at Robert Woods when it comes to value as my favorite play on the Ram side of the ball. But because we finally saw Cooper Cup priced up near 8K, 7,800. Uh, we talked about that a lot last week. Just the price on him was just stupid. Like one in the last week, you're like, what is this guy doing in the sixes? I mean, it was just absolutely criminal how they had him priced. And they finally got a respectful, reasonable price tag placed on him. Uh, Matthew Stafford, for a static quarterback, 7K is going to be tough for me to pay. But if you want to go there, I get it. I think my favorite play is going to end up being Robert Woods. Uh, Kind of a similar thought process there to the OBJ, Corey Davis. Should see plenty of targets. Should be in a position where the ball is thrown a lot. 
um, from his offensive standpoint. And he's a good value. And he we know he offers a good bit of upside. So from a game theory perspective, that's what I'm thinking. And that's why Robert Woods is kind of my favorite play there on the Rams side of the ball. And of course, with Arizona, I mean, you know who the guys are. It's the, the cheaper versions are Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, one or the other, both of them priced uh, in the, you know, more at 4,600, Kirk at 5,300. Moore has led the team in target share that came down a little bit after last week. Um, D hop is going to do his thing sitting there at 7,700. Um, so really those are all that I'm looking at on the Arizona side of the ball. I think the Rams may be able to limit Murray's upside. So I don't know that I want to pay 7,800 for him, but you can easily correlate pieces of the passing offenses like in one V one scenarios, Woods, Moore, cup, Kirk, cup, Moore. Uh, Woods, Hopkins, things like that, you can certainly correlate and make sure you're grabbing pieces of a game that should be uh, very high scoring as two potent offenses go at it. Yeah, I agree. Do you think Cup can keep it up? I mean, I don't think 30 average, 30 is is reasonable, but like, can he keep up the 25 range, you think? Like, I don't know. Mm, the 25 range yes based off of targets average targets, depth of right? target yeah. and and his yards after the catch potential the touchdowns no yeah he's been like that's that's gonna incredible. fluctuate he's been unbelievable i think i think we said it last week and you just mentioned it again woods is due eventually and 5300 is extremely cheap for a guy uh, you know a player of his caliber so Woods is definitely in play. I mean, I'm so I'm so happy for Stafford that he found a team that's like competent and they're actually going to compete for a Super Bowl this mm-hmm. season. Like they're they yeah. look phenomenal. Um, they're exciting to watch. He's so good and like he he proved it in in Detroit, but like he did not have the supporting cast after Calvin Johnson was gone. So, I mean, I'm I'm happy for him here. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's Woods. It's more the cheaper guys. Woods, Kirk, Moore. I think Kirk and Moore definitely provide a lot of opportunity. I think, I mean, Kyler's been awesome too. He's throwing it all over the field. So you don't really know who's going to pop, but I think they're both getting enough targets to make something happen. So at that price point, I'll probably, uh, yeah, if it, in order, it's in order on DraftKings. Woods, Kirk, Moore, that's my order as well um, for these guys. But if you have 78, go for cup. Why not? But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know if he's going to keep that up. Like he's, he's, he's been amazing. He's, he's like on the, I mean, him and Thielen are both touchdown machines through three weeks, but he's been phenomenal. I, I just don't know if he's going to keep it up. And it just makes me nervous to pay that much. But for a guy that's not named Devonte Adams, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, He's in a he's right there priced with Devontae Adams. He's in a better matchup than Devontae Adams. Because the thing is with Arizona, I mean, I think the front seven's okay and I think they're tougher to run on. I don't know what Daryl Henderson's gonna gonna do this week. Um, if he's gonna end up playing and he was getting 95% of the snaps, 95% of the rushing uh carries before that injury. But are they gonna go right back to that? Or are they gonna start splitting with Michelle Moore, kind of lowering his ceiling? You know, that's possible. I think I think that's certainly reasonable to consider, and um, you, and you got to throw on Arizona, and you certainly can. 
Uh, I think they fell into some fortunate matchups against some bad teams, so their secondary looked a little better than it is. Or maybe their scheme was covering up a couple things. But they don't have a lot of talent there. I mean, they had, like, average dudes retiring in the offseason. I know we kind of hit on that some, but you can throw all over these dudes. So Cooper Cup is really probably one of, if not the best, expensive receiver play this week. You know, look at Hill, Adams, Cup, Hopkins, Diggs, Jefferson, those, you know, those guys 73 and above. Like, Cooper Cup is probably still the best play. When I just look at that from potential raw point total, um, matchup, what offenses have done thus far, he, he just is. I mean, Devontae Adams is matchup proof. We saw that last week. And, you know, now he's got Pittsburgh, who's not been scary at all this year. But, I mean, Cup is – that's that's what's crazy is – I think the touchdowns will regress, but in, from a PPR standpoint, the hundred yard bonus that's three points on DraftKings. It's going to be there. The opportunity is going to be there. So he's still going to get his. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Baltimore and Denver, two teams that for what are, are putting up serious offense, by the way, when I look at that matchup, I'm like, all right, defense is low scoring move on. But Baltimore is, you know, our guy, uh, shout out to our guy, Tolson, who is apparently the king of Twitter these days. <laughs> um go check out his article by the way uh cheap plug for him there um just went up on roster up his three <laughs> observations on uh <laughs> on the ravens 2021 season but one of them was lamar um outpacing four or five other teams in total offense you know and lamar is actually outpacing uh what he did in his in 2019 mvp season He's throwing for more yards per game, and he's running for more yards per game through three weeks than he was in his MVP, MVP season. He's putting up uh, serious points. And Teddy Bridgewater and Denver actually have some decent offense as well. So whenever I look at these two team names, like their brands of football, I always think to myself, no, I don't want to touch that. Um, but these two teams have been putting up points. Now, honestly, when it I'm start look, looking at salaries, Got to figure out who I want to play. I mean, no one really sticks out to me. Like, they don't have skill position players that really make me want to buy in and just snag them in their specific matchups in this game. But it's two teams that are better offensively than what we would generally think um, coming into this matchup. Uh, so I, I don't know. Do you have any plays in this game? I, I think there could be something there, but I just can't find it yet. You know, I don't know if it's because – the Denver defense is still good, and I think Baltimore um, gets healthy and, and just plays better defense, so, so that lowers the overall ceiling of this game. But I think, it, I think there could be some nice offense. I just can't find anyone that I want to play. There, yeah, there's absolutely options, as there is in any game, but this, these are the two teams that have those guys that are like middle-tier to low-middle receivers – with the exception of Marquise Brown, I think he's definitely middle tier. But they have like the cheap prices with the high upside, and it's everyone. So it's it's hard to find that one guy that's going to have that breakout. Um, if I had to pick, I mean, Teddy loves Tim Patrick. I mean, he's he's had a really solid couple of weeks with Teddy. Um for that price, I mean, he was two yards off of 100 last week. Five targets. He's bringing in the targets. I mean, he's only – he has – what does he have? Let's see here. Five, nine. 
13 and he, you know, he's caught 12 of them. So um, he's bringing in the targets that he receives. He's obviously getting open. So if there's someone that I think will be low owned with some, some upside, I think it's Tim Patrick at 49, but then it's like, why not pay for Marquise Brown at 54? If you're going to pay 49 for Tim Patrick. So it's a really tough game to pick. And then if you look at the running backs, I mean, it's a committee in Denver and they're both doing pretty well. So Melvin Gordon has been fantasy relevant um, this year, but I mean, I mean, he was also limited at practice today. So if he doesn't play, I think Javante is an option, but uh, like you said, I think when you get closer to Sunday, when you're actually building your final lineups, I think it'll be easier to make those decisions when injury news comes out, when um, some other information comes out. So Right now, yeah, I'm with you. I don't have anything set in stone. Um, but, yeah, I think they're all so similarly priced. And it's really hard to make that decision right now on a Thursday night. Uh, I think it's certainly easier come Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it will be come Sunday. We'll, we'll see kind of how the rest of the week shapes out. Um, I think, if anything, you could grab a Denver tight end. I think Noah Fant, maybe that's the best play in this game now that I'm looking at it a little more and really kind of thinking through these salaries is grabbing a Denver tight end. Alberto at 2,600, you know, both Alberto and um, Okukwinbaum, am I saying that right? I'm not even sure. Him and Noah Fant should um, be able to meet value at their prices. They have in close games so far this year. Uh, last week against the, against the Jets, it was just different. So they just didn't, you know, Alberto one target, Fant three targets, just wasn't there. So they kind of got like 30% of the targets they normally would a piece. And they're both kind of generally doing okay from a value perspective. So Fant 4,300, I think he, we know there's a lot of upside. He could smash from a tight end perspective. Alberto can meet value. He could get you 10 fantasy points. We just find it 2,600. So I don't know. I'm with you on everything else right there with the analysis. It's just so tough because these guys are all middle of the pack. Um, Hollywood Brown might be more expensive. He didn't drop seven touchdowns last week. Uh, Pittsburgh and Green Bay. We'll move on to that one. Um, final game of the slate. Interesting matchup here. Uh, Pittsburgh falling apart. Ben's got a noodle arm. Him and Matt Ryan come from the same uh, summer camp, I think, where the old men arms just no longer work. They did not go to Tom Brady's summer camp of longevity um aaron Rodgers walking off the beach after week one and just deciding that he knows how to play football again i think green bay runs pittsburgh here uh, i don't understand why nahi harris is only 6800 still i don't know what DraftKings was thinking from that perspective 19 targets last week did pittsburgh what? know that he had 19 targets last week and, and 14 receptions like does Pittsburgh know that they drafted a running back in the first round and not an offensive lineman? Could someone tell them <laughs> that? I think that would be pretty cool if they could tell them that. Do you have uh, any direction on our final game here for the main slate? I think it's another game that you have to like go with the chalk, and it's similar to like the Minnesota offense um, and the Cleveland game that, I mean, Harris – that's ridiculous. I didn't even know that, that he had 19 targets. Devontae Adams had 18 targets. Uh, I mean, these guys are getting peppered with targets and they're producing. So 
I love Devonte every week. I love Devonte. Uh, I think I'm going to play him this week. I don't care about Pittsburgh's defense. Um, is it even that good this year? I don't know. Uh, Devonte for sure. Um, Harris, I love too at 6,800. Like you said, take advantage of these low prices. Um, if you can pay for Harris, which shouldn't be too difficult. I think he has a lot of upside, uh, against the middle of the pack running defense. So I'm probably not going far away from the chalk here. Um, I don't know how you feel if there's any like conviction plays, but for me, it's, it's Adams and Harris. I think Aaron Jones, 7,700, like I love Aaron Jones, but with a questionable tag, uh, against a pretty decent run defense, I'd rather go Harris this game, honestly, especially after geez. Oh my goodness. I have, I'm like blown away by that 19 freaking targets. It, it actually feels like a typo. I yeah, know. I know. It's, it's crazy. 14 catches for 102 receiving yards. Yeah. I, I mean, if that, if the, he, if he gets half of that, he's going to be, have a good week. So, which I crazy. think he certainly can. So, um, that's a guy I wasn't even really thinking about. Jeez. Now I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about him. I'd be shocked if he doesn't make the player pool. Uh, I think he definitely will. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's some options here. I think I agree mm-hmm. with you. I think, I think Green Bay is going to win this one, but um, always fun to see the vets go at it. And <laughs> I don't know if Ben has much left, but uh, oh, it's actually sad. Did you see that shovel pass where he like <laughs> over his own feet? Yeah, <laughs> dude, that was so pitiful. That was so pitiful. Yeah. I, I, oh my god. Yeah, they're the the legends are falling apart, <laughs> but some of them like Brady and Rogers. I mean, they're still going. So, uh, it looked like one of those. Um, God, did you ever see that show years ago where they would like pit these old high school rivalries against each other? When, um, crap, I can't remember what it was on. But anyhow, they would like renew these rivalries with adults. Like if you had a high school rivalry, they would, and it was a close game or a legendary game. They would basically recreate the game and get the teams back together and compete like when they're in their 20s or 30s, like a decade later. Wow. No, um, I didn't. I've never seen that. Yeah. It was some, I used to watch it like when I was in high school or college, but it was actually pretty cool, pretty fun to watch. Anyhow, Big Ben looked like one of the dudes that was <laughs> like the stud quarterback in high school and just got old and fat by the time he was like 27 and doesn't even fit in his uniform anymore grew out the beard it's 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 just sad anyway that's what i thought of when he like did that shovel pass and face planted i was like oh my gosh this looks like he hasn't played in 10 years and he's trying to renew some rivalry living in his past (laughs) or something it was like the saddest thing ever yeah i saw that all over twitter oh man yeah it was it was pretty bad i don't know maybe he'll suddenly come out of the gate and whip the ball around but nahi harris problem with nahi harris is that that offensive line is just hot garbage. Um, he is he what he leads the league, or I should say last in the league, in yards before contact. Um, he gets hit at or behind the line of scrimmage on gosh, I cannot remember the status. It was some some like over a third of his carries, almost like half his carries, he gets hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. Which when you look at his, that's why they got to use him as a receiver. Cause when you look at his average yards per carry, week one against Buffalo, 2.8 yards against the Raiders, who aren't that good against the run, 3.8 yards. The Bengals last week, 2.9 yards. What do you want the kid to do? Like he's getting hit as soon as he touches the ball. 
So there's always a lot of downside baked into that. Um, but if you're going to throw him the ball 10 plus times, his targets are increasing each week and I don't expect them to be leading that much against green Bay. So they'll clearly use him, but Deontay Johnson does return. So keep that in mind because I think that could have been part of why he got a lot of those targets last week, that, and the fact that that line can't block. But if I'm looking anywhere in the Steelers offense, it's going to be uh, Deontay Johnson. If you can stomach him leaving in the second or third quarter and showing up midway through the fourth for garbage time. Like I think he's a great play at 6,200 always seems to somehow meet that value. Harris Johnson. I think those are the top plays. Uh, Claypool is always a nice start throw, but, I think Claypool would actually be the best play in any game if Big Ben could push the ball downfield. Uh, he had 15 targets last week without Johnson and trailing the whole time, but you know, Big Ben, ben pushing the fall the ball downfield is just it just isn't there. What were you gonna also, say? He also threw 58 times last week. Mm-hmm. That's like that's a little bit skewed. I mm-hmm. mean, he threw 40 week two, 32 week one. I don't. That's probably going to be his most attempts in the single game all year. Yeah. If, I'd be shocked if he surpasses that or if anyone in the league surpasses that. Josh Allen may get close, but I don't think 58. I mean, that's insane, especially for a quarterback like like Ben. I mean, he, his arm is – it's got to be falling off by now. Yeah, I, there's no way he gets to that in back-to-back weeks. I think they're going to just have to come out and try to hand the ball to Nahi like 20 times. Um, the problem is, like, if he can't break free. But, I mean, you're absolutely right about him being in the player pool. He's probably going to get in there because just because the value was there. Um, I think he's just an overall safe play. There's a lot of good – there's just not a lot of expensive plays on the slate. That's what it comes down to. So there's just a ton of options in that 55 to 7,200 range where you can really build your lineup with a lot of wide receiver ones, uh, stud volume running backs. Um, so there's certainly a lot to look at this week. Do you got any final thoughts before we close it out? thoughts i think just there's again there's you take you got to take advantage of the early weeks in the nfl where the studs the superstars that have not broke out yet are still cheap um i'll continue to talk about jonathan taylor until he blows up i think it's going to happen soon i'm surprised it hasn't happened already um i i'm going to keep playing him but he's one of the guys there's there's multiple other guys I think Diggs is another one that's still priced decently high, but he's he should be priced higher just because of his skill level. You got to take advantage of these kind of guys. And then a guy like Tuba, who is in the role that McCaffrey, the best player, I think, in the NFL, uh, is in. And we saw a guy like Mike Davis, who's not doing as great this year in Atlanta, absolutely thrive in that. So there, there's a lot of options here. I think... Um, Every week, I, I'm this year more than ever. I'm finding that there's so many different ways to go. And like Sunday, we'll hop on our call before the games, an hour before the games or so. And like I'm changing things around that I haven't even thought about all weekend because like there's just so many options. And you got to stay true to who you like. Um, for me, that's Taylor again. I, I'm going to continue to stick with him. I, I like him. I think he's super talented. Um, guy like Devontae Adams as well. Um, he, he's heating up as well last week. Um, the last two weeks, he's been really good. Cooper Cup, can he keep it up? I mean, this is a long final thoughts, but like this is kind of my thought process. I'm sure you're similar. I'm sure a lot of people that take this seriously are similar. There's just so many options, and you got to find a way to make it work for you. 
Um, a lot of these guys are going to be high owned. Like I think Chuba is going to be high owned, but I'm still probably going to play him because I think there's super upside there. Um, and then you got to take a chance on some other guys. So um, that's a little more than I probably should have said, but at the end of the day, that's how I'm feeling. Uh, listen, we've talked about that several times. I think my problem was getting um, too cute at multiple running back positions in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think I had some one or two good leverage plays there at running back, but really I only needed one. Um, and I didn't really go for low ownership intentionally. I, I just thought they were a good overall plays, but they turned out to be low ownership. But I say that to say when it comes to running backs, you can win with chalk running backs. That's chalk high on running backs. Uh, where you find your leverage a lot of times is in the stacks and correlation. And, and, you know, when you're targeting those passing games, getting the right stacks, getting the right correlation, that's really where you bake in your upside and win tournaments. Like that's really how you compete. And if you got a 20% owned running back, 30% owned running back, if he, you know, you can survive that. You just don't want to have your entire lineup is 20, 30, 40% owned. If your running backs are anchoring you and they're both there, then that's when you find the unique or, or lower own passing attacks, or you correlate a little more. So then your total ownership isn't, is still a little lower than the field. So you can have those highly owned plays. And by total ownership, I mean, you know, adding up the ownership in your lineup. If you got, you know, 100 to 150% in ownership, you know, that's, um, or so excuse me, 100 to 120% in ownership. That's typically where most lineups are going to come in. So if you're coming in around the one to 110 range, you might be slightly below the field or slightly below market um, just because you didn't play all the highly owned receivers and running backs. You know, you can play highly owned guys. You just don't want to have all nine of your spots as super highly owned chalk, unless you're playing like head to heads or cash or something like that, or even three mans, then yeah, heck yeah, go for it. Um, but you know, we want to, we're, we're more looking to win the single entry, three entry max type of tournaments. And so we can play those chalky plays. We don't have to get cute everywhere. It's really just a couple spots. So I think that's definitely a good way to close the show is always reiterating, Hey, we're four weeks in stick with your process. Uh, when it comes to DFS, a lot of it is the process. You don't want to start swaying. You don't want to start getting cute. You don't want to get front. You got to evaluate your process, but don't just sway and and get cute and get frustrated and start making dumb plays, dumb moves, uh, entering contests you shouldn't be in, things like that. Stick with what you know. Stick with what you can do. Uh, go back, listen to the first 15 minutes of week one. Understand what type of player you are, the importance of contest selection, because at the end of the day, all that's going to be more important than just the individual plays we talk about. Um, because that's how you find long-term success and consistency in uh, this game of variance with a lot of luck baked in. But there is some skill. There is some game theory that you can use to kind of outpace the field. Um, but, yeah, Rob, man, this I think this has been a good one. We've been able to cover a lot. I know we went a little longer than last week, but um, just certainly a lot of good games on the slate. Uh, you know where you can find him, at Rob McW 24 on Twitter, blowing up the Twitter polls with his trades. <laughs> Go check it out. See what you think about his latest trade there. Uh, you can find me at Cody Engel and find us at RosterUp and RosterUpMedia.com at RosterUpMedia on all social channels. We appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Bye, guys.